Hi, and welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. My name is Nikki Vo, and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association, and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry, and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous. It's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape to the world of boating. So welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. Today I have with me a fantastic man who is a good friend too, who is the CEO of Amex and Super Yacht Australia. His name is David Good. Welcome, David. G'day, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Lovely to have you here. Um, can you tell me what Amex is? Uh, the Australian International Marine Export Group. Uh, it was established about 23 years ago. It was uh, a bunch of Australian uh, marine exporters that were seeing what was happening at overseas shows and they saw a need for to be all under one banner to um, trade under the Australian, uh, the Australian made, the Australian uh, uh, marine side of things. Um, so we, they, they created a group that um, basically looks after the marine exports and um, we, we take space over overseas shows, we put everyone together and we make it uh, easier for people to step into exporting. Okay, so let's, let's explain that, that term, marine exports. What, what is that? So anyone who's based here in Australia that um, is, is either manufacturing or they own the IP here um, and the, the company's based here in Australia and they're selling overseas, um, they're an exporter. So... Some of the, the really large brands like Veeam and Muir's and Riviera, Maritimo, they've, they're quite established. But um, there's a lot of really smaller uh, component manufacturers that, um, that, that are selling into some of the overseas brands in Italy, in uh, Europe, in America. So, um, yeah, we, we all go under one banner and uh, we sort of ride the coattails of the, the big boys that have been doing it for a long time and have built up a, a great reputation. So you're like a support mechanism for those companies yeah. and you help them with that process of becoming exporters. Yeah, um, on the ground that's that's a lot of what we do but we also we, we work with government. Um, we Basically uh, we're an advocate to, to government so when there's rules around um, export marketing development grant changes and things like that, um, when there's free trade organiser, uh, free trade agreements that are coming up, um, we, if it's in the marine game, then uh, we're often consulted and we provide input on behalf of members. So that's a complex role that you have. It's an enjoyable one. Yeah. No days, no days the same. I can imagine. Mm. And the super yacht side of it, um, explain that to me as well. So about 12 years ago, there was a previous organisation called Super Yacht Base Australia and during the global financial crisis, um, yeah, financially they, they started to fall away. And um, a lot of our exporters were selling into the super yacht trade. So 
particularly because of our, our high labour content. So they were selling you know expensive, high quality goods into the super yacht world. So there was a, a lot of crossover, um, and the government came and spoke to to Amex and said, "Would you like to take over the role? There's some efficiencies. You know, you're going to the same same boat shows, um, talking to the same people. You've got contacts with the same same world. Would you like to?" To take over responsibility for the super yacht industry as well, so you know, we did that. And there was a big change with the super yacht industry recently um, with legislation in Australia, wasn't there? Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, finally, uh, since since uh, about ninety nine, before the Olympics, uh, the industry has seen a need for um, allowing foreign vessels to um, be able to operate commercially here in Australia. And there's a barrier to that previously in that um, they would have to import the vessel and pay 10% of the value of the vessel. So, Ouch. Yeah, we we're talking, you know, a, a $10 million bill um, to come and, you know, pick up two or three charters which are, you know, probably worth half a million dollars each. It's not yeah. – it, it, it was not attractive. Yes. So we've been trying to get a, um, a mechanism for uh, allowing those vessels to come here um, and more than half of the world's fleet are charter vessels. So we were – Previously, basically, not attracted, not attracting uh, vessels that were uh, available for charter, which was you know, you know halving the amount of vessels that could come here. Yeah. So uh, after many many tries, after many many people, um, the uh, the government finally passed a special recreational vessel act, which does exactly what we've been asking for. That was in two thousand December two thousand and nineteen. Yep. I remember it well. Everybody was very excited. And we had three months <laughs> and then COVID <laughs> hit. So we haven't we haven't had a good run um, to see the full effect of it. Yeah. Um, uh, a really lazy assessment is that we would double the market because half of the vessels weren't attracted to come, so now they're all av- available to come. But when you drill down a little bit more and you look at uh, other countries that have done the same, it's not so much the amount of vessels, like they will double, but it's the length of stay. So previously okay. um, our length of stay was around 40 days, was the average length of stay for a, an international vessel. When Fiji changed their rules, they went from 21 days to 140 days. Wow, that's so a big difference. that's the type of effect we're expecting here. And the beauty of Australia is that it's so large it can um, – it can be all year round. So there's no reason why some of these vessels wouldn't base themselves here for a whole year. So we're expecting our average length of stay to be, you know, well into the 200 days. So the economic impact of that is huge because every day that the vessel stays, um, it spends. There's the number of people on board that need to be fed every day. Yep. There's a lot of stores yep. and, you know, you know vessels, they always need something done. So there's <laughs> always tradesmen coming down and getting work on board. Yeah, so the it's and it's also the staff that are employed on board and and all sorts of exponential things that come off it, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. The, the yeah. crew spend um, is more significant for us as an industry than what the you know the guest spend would be. Is that right? So, so when the when the guests are on board, the vessel's often underway yeah. and you know exploring, cruising. They're not spending a lot of money. It's the week before and the week after that there's a lot of money being spent, and the crew, the crew are well paid. Yeah, um, they've got somewhere, someone that feeds them, somewhere to stay, someone that clothes them. So they've got huge money that they can spend. 
um, and they they do like to spend. So any location that um, that bases these yachts uh, in between charters uh, are making significant money just from the crew spend. Yeah, that's great. I always say a super yacht is um, is probably one of the best ways to spread wealth because the 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 person that owns a super yacht or a mega yacht they usually try and find a way of not avoiding tax but minimising tax. But if they've got a super yacht, they're employing so many people that have built that super yacht, put things into that super yacht, um, fuel that super yacht, look after that super yacht, so on and so forth. And then every little item that they buy to put on it and everything they hire and every, all the food that they have and all that sort of thing, that's employing a massive amount of people across the board. So I, I, you know that you know that sort of um, sometimes there's the big bad rich guys got the super yacht. I, I kind of look at it a completely different way. In that, actually, that big rich guy or girl is spreading their wealth through that super yacht through an incredible number of people. Absolutely. Yeah. I think James Bond has got a lot, <laughs> a lot to answer for in our industry. The baddies have always got a super yacht, so there's always. <laughs> That that mist, mistrust of the owner of a super yacht, but you're exactly right. Um, most of these people, particularly if it's a private yacht, um, and they only use it themselves, yep. and on average they use it for maybe six weeks in a year. So for these very successful business people, um, it's probably the only thing that they lose money on, and they lose big. Yes, you know they they are not going to make money owning a private super yacht. Yeah. It's purely for their own pleasure um, and it's something that they've just built up and the money gets farmed out through. The majority of them are small um, family-owned, um, you know, tradesmen with their own business. That's that's who makes the money. Yeah. So it, it's not going into a, another multinational. It's going into family-run businesses. Yeah, which I love. I think it's actually really fantastic. So... Let's talk about you as a person. You were born here or you were born overseas? Here in Sydney. Ah. Grew up mostly in Perth as a kid. Um, Learned to sail on the Swan River. Um, Spent more time in the river than on the river. (laughs) Those little little skiffs. And um, finished my schooling in Queensland. So I've moved all around Australia so I don't really have... um, a home state, so to speak. I've yes. lived all around. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. And you were, um, when you graduated from school, what did you do after that? I went to uh, the Royal Military College in Dundurn. Um I became an infantry officer, um, was based all around the place. So I was originally here in Sydney um, in the parachute regiment and then uh, from here went to Cairns and worked in the mostly Indigenous um, Regional Force Surveillance Unit. So I was a training officer up there. We're training the young kids up in the Torres Strait how to use radios and do boating activities and do surveillance work. Um, And then uh, I was in Townsville and I ended up back at the college in Duntroon teaching tactics. So particularly uh, uh, doing security tactics and training uh, the guys up there going to Afghanistan and Iraq. Wow. Mm. Okay. That was fun. That's yeah. probably the best job I've ever had. Yeah? Mm. What did you love about that? I oh, just training up 
young young soldiers and young officers yeah. that, that were so focused because they were about to go and do it for real. So they listened to every word. Yeah. yeah it was very um, and great men. Yeah. And women. Yeah, and I, and, and yeah. you see them around the place leading businesses and doing big things now, and you feel kind of chuffed that you were a part of that and their education. Yeah. Yeah. So your army training, was anything in particular apart from that radio training and the things you spoke about, was there anything in particular you brought from, you, you think you've brought across to the boating industry from the army training? Um, well, I, I, I worked with a guy that they call Neptune and they call him Neptune because he developed the doctrine, the tactics for SAS boat operations. Wow. Um, and so he, he now owns a banana plantation up in far north Queensland and um, as a reserve after he left SAS he came in and, and we did you know a lot of boating activities um, up, up there and particularly in the Torres Strait and up on the Cape so that gave me a, a pretty good understanding of certainly the small boats absolutely Not, nothing to do with super yachts but yeah. um, but definitely with, with small craft operations yeah for sure and then didn't you go into running a marina at some stage so from the army I I had back surgery so I was forced to medically be discharged oh. and um, I got a job at uh, the Port Authority in Cairns yeah. as the security manager um, and most of the focus was around the reef fleet operations so the people that go out to the reef every day on, you know, on some of the large 450 people um, ferries because there was a particular security risk, um, terrorism risk. Okay. Um, and so I had a... A good relationship with a lot of the marina operators and then um, slowly but surely you know got up in the ranks till I was um, managing the operations of the all the ports up in far north Queensland. Wow that's a big task. That was was fun you know yeah. we had 12 super yacht bursts that we had to keep full and we had um, three shipyards that we had to to support so I had a, a pretty broad understanding of of the industry and the drivers behind it. Yep. It's not just the owner of the shiny white boat. It's it's the hundreds of people that are working in the shipyard with high vis vests on and you know doing scaffolding and welding and that's that's where the real focus is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. See, that's interesting when you talk about that um, uh, that uh, risk in far north Queensland. I guess as as a regular Australian, I don't really think about that sort of thing going on and recognizing that there's somebody doing that. You know, protecting us from that that risk. Um, so it's really interesting to to know that you did that. It was an interesting it was an interesting story. There was a, a guy called uh, Sir John Wheeler, who um, did all the security for uh, the airports in the UK. And because of the terrorism threat of the IRA over the years, they were yeah pretty good at what they did. So after September 11, the Australian government invited. Sir John Wheeler out to write a report on the Australian uh, airports. Yeah. And the Cairns Port Authority, as it was then, owned the airport as well. And when he came to Cairns and he was doing the assessment on the airport, he also took the opportunity, being an Englishman in the Great Barrier Reef, to go out to the reef. Yes. And when he checked in and there was, you know, three and a half thousand people going out to the reef within an hour. Yes. <laughs> he saw it as more... Uh, more of a risk than some of the airports were. So he wrote wow. a letter to the Prime Minister at the time yeah. and said this is outside of my terms of reference but this is a risk that, that you know, there's probably 40 different nationalities in 
this small area at the one time. Yeah. And it's dealing with the Great Barrier Reef and we all know from nowadays that if anything's going on with the Great Barrier Reef, it makes world news. Yes. So they, they said it was actually a, um, a, t- a target if they wanted to get media attention for what they wanted to do. Um, you know, involve as many, many foreign nationals as you can and you'll get front page news in those, those papers in, the, in those nationalities and, uh, and, and do something that's iconic. Yes. Like the Great Barrier Reef. So... Yeah. Wow. I got a job go. out of it, so it was good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's just that's not just something you think about, is it? As a as a yeah, you just don't think about that. That's incredible. And not something that we'd try and publish normally because you don't want to put fear in people who want to go out to the Great Barrier Reef on a tourism holiday. Yeah. You don't want to pose that risk. So any yeah, everything we did up there had to be very subtle. Yes. Couldn't you didn't want to put armed guards on the doors or things like that. So yeah. 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 Fascinating. There you go. So super yachts, let's get into them a bit. Is it like below decks or is it not? I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I watched below deck like the rest of the population going, wow, does that really go on? Um, and some of my, my friends and colleagues that uh, RX crew, you know, um, a lot of them will comment, look, that's, probably what they might see in a year and it's been condensed into a single episode. Yes. So I think there's some truth to things that, that go on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting insight. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's there's a lot of people that don't like the show yes. because of what it does for the industry, but I, I, I'm a bit of an optimist. I, I don't mind because if it teaches young kids that there is this world that you can go work in, um, great. But, yeah, over the next, uh, yeah, up until 2030, there's an estimate that we need 22,000 additional crew on the, the workforce that's already there. In this country alone? No, no, in, well, in, in, the world. World. in the world. But there's no reason yeah. why Australia can't provide a large majority of that because our, our young kids are growing up in and around the water. Yes. Um, they're, they're comfortable, you know, in the water compared to someone, say, growing up in the Midwest of the United States. Yes. Um, it's, it's a, you know, they're, they're ocean literally kids. Literally foreign to them. Yeah. Yeah. Ocean kids. Yeah. So they're automatically comfortable. Yeah. Um, in and around the water. Yeah. They're well educated. They're hard workers. Um, you know, the Australian reputation, work hard, play hard, fits with the industry. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and I find Australians are very, um, the kids that when they come out of school, they're very confident and they're very polite and they're very, um, yeah, they're, they're great for our industry. I think at the, that particular super yacht space um, because they, they really do work hard and they, and they, um, but they have a a natural. They can be in the presence. I guess it's our egalitarian society. Maybe they they feel comfortable in the presence of anyone, mm. so they'll just um, speak appropriately and. You know, so I, I think that's a really good asset for Australians to get into that space. So it would be fantastic if more kids knew that this industry existed. Yeah. Even just as a gap year. Yeah. You know, instead of backpacking. I mean, the majority of Australians that are um, in the industry kind of fell into it. Yes. The, you know, the common story is they've backpacked in Europe, they've run into people that are working as crew at a pub and next thing you know they walk down the docks with a, you know, a CV that they did up in a, a local business suite or um, and they get a job on a yacht. Yeah. So, 
um, uh, I don't think it's a great way to join the industry. Yeah. But it, it was successful in the past for getting Australians into the industry and we were making up the majority of the industry because our kids travel. Like the 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 backpacking around Europe is is kind of a a well trodden path for many, many kids. Yeah. So that's how they got the exposure. Yeah. We did actually interview Kaylee in episode seventeen. And she um did exactly that. She went to Europe and with a backpack and went down to the the docks and said, can I have a job, please? And she had done her five-star training in hotels in Australia, so she had that five-star experience. But that's a good podcast to listen to about somebody actually has done that exactly. It's much better when they've done training before they go. Yeah. And, th- and that's what we would like to encourage mm. young kids. If you're going to go and do a gap year, do a course. We've got some of the best trainers because of the ex-crew that live back here. Yeah. We've got some of the best trainers even here in Sydney. So you can get trained up, yeah. do a course and have that in your back pocket so that when you step aboard a vessel, you're set up for success. It's not going to be, you know, really difficult to to learn the ropes. Yeah. Because yeah. you've already got some basic knowledge. It also increases the reputation of Australians if they turn up and they're already trained up absolutely i must say i do often think if i had my time again i'd have done that and done the super yacht year for sure because um it's um it's it's just a great way of seeing the world i mean yeah you've got to work hard you've really got to work hard but you do get the occasional gaps where you can actually see where you are and enjoy travel without actually paying for it and and hello even though the cabin's small that you're staying in and so on and so forth it's still better than a backpackers i, I wish i knew about it too I, <laughs> I wouldn't have been crawling around the jungles of tully yeah. I'd, I'd have been quite happy to be sitting on a super yacht in the med or in the caribbean exactly and, and they you know they they chase the summer yeah they you're not going to go anywhere that's horrible yes you always go somewhere nice yes so yeah what a great lifestyle i know and exactly right the owner spends six weeks a year on it it's your home the rest of the time. These, you know, stunning pieces of architecture. That that's your house. That's where you live. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Mm. Yeah. So on that note of encouraging people into the industry, you recently collaborated with BIA and MIA to create a site exactly for that, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, uh, it's a one-stop shop for people looking to enter. Um, the marine industry, it's got all types of jobs on there. So marine jobs um, and it's for members of ours, members of the BIA, members of the MIA that are chasing um, chasing new staff members and there's a lot, there's a huge demand in our industry for, for bringing new people in because uh, we're growing so quickly. So, um, yeah, we've just developed marine jobs and we're trying to get out there and get it in front of everybody and realise that there's a pathway and it's mm. it's not just being a crew member on a super yacht. It might be driving a straddle carrier in a shipyard or it might be tying up, um, you know, boats at the dock in a marina and there's a whole vast array of jobs that uh, that are within the marine industry. Yeah, it's fascinating going on to that site. So, that, so everyone listening, that's uh, marinejobs.org.au. The expanse of jobs on that site is 
quite mind-blowing and I think that's something we really need to get across in this podcast, the huge expanse of different opportunities that are available in this industry. It's just outstanding. So how did you end up in the role that you are in now, David? I I had a lot to do with the Superyacht Group Great Barrier Reef. Um, I was on the executive there. I was deputy chair. I used to travel to overseas boat shows and activities with Super Australia. Um, I was um, involved on the committees to, you know, get extra um, locations up in the Whit Sundays for super yachts um, and and the charter rules that went on and on and on. <laughs> um, and so uh, when Marianne um, decided that she was going to step down, she mentioned to me, um, and uh, yeah, I put my hand up and got the role. Marianne's lovely, isn't she? We all love Marianne. Yesterday, yeah, she's she's still very much engaged in the industry with her consultancy. Yeah, and um, she's looking forward to going back and travelling. Yeah, Mm. yeah, she's an awesome lady. Love Marianne. So, um, what do you think the future holds for the superior industry in Australia? Oh, huge growth! Like the the potential since Brisbane's been awarded the Olympics. Mm-hmm. We've now got a, a 10-year ramp up for that activity. I mean, uh, the industry was really established because of the Sydney Olympics. Yep. And now we've got another Olympics to get ready for, one that's probably more accessible by yacht because Brisbane is a river city and you can get super yachts all the way up into the city reach. It's deep water. Um, in fact, the main stadium at the Gabba is only about two blocks walk from a, a ferry terminal. Wow. So I don't know if that's ever happened before that you've got the main stadium that's walking distance from where you can park super yachts. Yeah. So the you know, the trajectory between now and then is is huge. That's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully it'll make up for the America's Cup that we were all I know. We were all looking forward to. Yeah. And then COVID uh, destroyed our our chances of getting all those yachts here. Yes. So. Yeah, that was a toughie, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And um, where do you think there is opportunity for women specifically in the super yacht space? Look, there's a, there's a lot of women working as crew and as a general rule they go and they work interior. And so they, they work up to the point of chief stewardess. Um, but the chief stewardess is still physically working quite hard. Yeah. Um, and the male-dominated roles are in the engineering department and in the exterior that they end up being the captain. And those roles as chief engineer and captain, you're getting paid for your knowledge, not for the amount of physical work that you need to do. So I'd like to encourage more, more women to do an engineering pathway or do an exterior pathway and become captain because then they can stay in the industry for a lot longer yeah. it's very difficult to still be physically working serving meals every day um you know to stay in the industry a long time yeah so yeah that's that, that'd be one way to increase the amount of not not so much the amount of women in the industry but keeping them in the industry yes yeah because that is a real issue in our industry isn't it there are women out in industry but they they seem to wane off um, or or find barriers that they come up against and they and they move on to an, a different industry. So I'd really like to see women 
really having a career path in the industry and, and sticking to that path, which would be lovely to see. Yeah. So that's good advice. Uh, some some large owners that own multiple vessels will often train up a, uh, a chief stewardess to then move into a role that they're managing the books for the entire fleet and things like that. But that's few and far between. It would be mm. great to see more females, particularly in the engineering role, mm. um, where you're not going to burn them out as mm. much. Mm. So, David, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us today. I really appreciate your advice for people going into the boating industry, women specifically. Um, it's been lovely talking to you. I think um, a, a greater understanding, like you say, of the non-James Bond version of superior owners would be really nice to see get out there. Um, and it is a, an amazing industry and it has huge potential in Australia. The Med's looking very crowded. Would it you is. agree? Yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> The, the, particularly at the moment, everyone's gone back to the areas they know um, and, and the med's too crowded. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to see. The med's dead. Like yeah. if you go below the surface, there's not much to see. Um, you've got to come to the South Pacific or Asia Pacific and, and use your, blow, your vessel to explore. Yeah. Mm. So all super owners and mega yachts owners out there, Australia is open. Come on down. Definitely. <laughs> well, I think that's... A great episode for our podcast. Thank you so much for coming in, David. It's been lovely to have you here. We really appreciate your time. Now we're going to have a chat with Christine and David Good about a really exciting event you have coming up really soon, which is the Super Yacht Soiree. Can you tell us a little bit about that event? Yes. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you for having us. Our Super Yacht Australia Soiree is coming up on Saturday the 26th of February. It'll be our third soiree. We've had two extremely successful ones in the last couple of years and all excitement is seriously building for this one. So the soiree is designed to provide an opportunity for people, I guess, on, on a higher net worth level to come down, walk over Supiot, spend the afternoon just stepping aboard some just magnificent vessels uh, who have been able to attract down into Sydney Harbour and basically sort of get a glimpse of what that superyacht lifestyle is about and consider perhaps chartering a superyacht for their next holiday. So I think with some of the traditional destinations for people who are looking for a higher level travel uh, over the last couple of years, the idea of chartering a superyacht and having their own, you know, their own group aboard, a beautiful yacht going where they want to go, um, can be anywhere around Australia or out into the Pacific and bringing them here. And we have some fantastic sponsors and partners who also are actively involved in the industry and they'll be showcasing some of the finest, you know, wines, foods, jewellery, interiors, everything connected to the super yacht industry. That sounds terrible. I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) so going to hate going. I'm not sure. Uh, You know know what, I went to the last Super Yachts Warrior and I loved it so much. It's such a good event Um, because it is is lovely to actually experience the Super Yachts before you pay those thousands of dollars to be on board. You kind of get to know the yacht and and pick which one you think is going to be right for your family or right for your event or whatever it is and I think it's a lovely event for that. and, it, and you get to meet some awesome people too because the, the crowd is always a lovely 
lovely bunch of, of people who are well connected and yeah so it's a great place to be to meet people as well so David how many yachts have we got coming this year we're expecting 10 and hopefully the owners don't change their mind and take them out for the day um, <laughs> on the day that, that there's always um, something that happens so um, we've actually got more than 10 that have committed but I, I predict about 10 will be there on the day Okay, so you're hedging your bets, literally. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. always one or two things that go wrong. You know, <laughs> but, um, you know, but uh, if, as long as we get 10 vessels there, um, yeah. we're, we're hoping to get 400 people. Yeah. So that'll be a nice mix. It won't be too crowded on, on each yacht. Um, you can move around like it would be your own for the, for the week. And so what's, what are some of those luxury goods we can expect to see, Christine? Well, immediately as you, I guess you walk into the Jones Bay Marina precinct, you'll firstly see the lineup of vessels, which just looks absolutely superb. And as you really sort of walk into that whole area, they'll be there glistening on the harbour on your right-hand side, um, closely uh, aligned with a little fleet of Maseratis oh. for uh, people to have a little peruse if they're <laughs> in between looking over the yachts. We've got some fantastic wines and champagnes, um, whiskey for tasting. We've got Providores uh, doing some caviar tasting. Um, it, it's just an exciting afternoon. So yeah. people can certainly easily fill in a few hours, you know, walking aboard the yachts and coming in and sipping some lovely wines and champagnes and generally just really lapping up the atmosphere. And this is a ticketed event, so you can actually correct. buy tickets for it, correct? Correct. Yes. And they are how much? Two fifty for people to so they're accessed via our Superyacht Australia website under the Soiree page. Um, and if you're members of um, Superyacht, our Superyacht Australia group, then obviously there's a, a, a lesser price. Absolutely. Look, Benetti Yachts has been a sponsor. This is their third year. Um, they have really been by our side with the whole development of this soiree and they will have a, a, a beautiful super yacht in the, uh, in the soiree again this year. So they're our major partner along with Muss and Jewelers who have come on board this year as a new partner. They will have two fabulous jewellery showcases on board two of the vessels. So everyone coming down will be able to look at some magnificent jewellery courtesy of... Um, Muss and Jewelers. Damn. <laughs> Hard <Yeah>. to resist. <laughs> great that it's a, a local Australian. Yeah, Sydney-based yeah, family-owned family. Oh, that's company. lovely. That's fantastic. Yeah. And um, they're actually quite close to the superyacht industry as well. So they, uh, they were very keen to be involved this year. Uh, CEO Magazine are once again our media partner for the event. And uh, they will have um, some of their key uh, people there and do a fantastic wrap-up of the soiree uh, as a wonderful post-event story that really captures the whole atmosphere of the event. Um, we have, of course, Jones Bay Marina, who's the host venue, and the Star Sydney has come on aboard this year as well, uh, which is fantastic for the first time as our accommodation partner. So anybody looking to come along to the soiree needing accommodation will be able to um, log into a special uh, link and book some tickets for a discounted rate at um, the Star, which is five minutes walk from the venue. And we have some of our other fabulous sponsors. Um, we've got Tyrrells, who once again um, are doing some, providing some wine and beautiful sparkling, sparkling whites for the event and, and their red wines, of course, from the Hunter. 
And we have our broker partners who play an integral part in the soiree as well. So that's Fraser, Fraser Yachts, Ahoy Club, Darboras and Ocean Alliance. They, uh, most of those will have vessels in the soiree and uh, a number of those have also been involved since the inception. It's, it's, it's just a lovely event. It's really nice. And to be actually be, to be able to touch and feel those super yachts and, and, and just, well, we don't touch them too much actually, do we? We're not very careful much, not to touch them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can bring a chamois along and just, <laughs> you can. just wipe everywhere you've been. But, yeah. but keep those stilettos <laughs> off them. <laughs> exactly. And don't put your finger marks all over those no. nice shiny timbers. Uh, we'll, give, we'll give the crew something to do afterwards. <laughs> Oh, that's harsh, harsh. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a beautiful event, and it really gives um, potential guests of those super yachts the opportunity to to explore which yacht might be the right one for them for their family holiday, or for their corporate event, or for their special birthday, weddings, all those wonderful things that we can all do on super yachts. It's a completely different experience to have an event on a super yacht to having it in just uh, just a room somewhere um the blue mind will kick in and everybody will remember that event for the rest of their lives so if you really want to show off folks book your super yacht for your event and uh and and if you want to really look good um head down to the super yacht soiree pay for the ticket and get those instagram shots up on your feed folks What a what a backdrop though in Sydney Harbour and you can see the bridge and it's brilliant. And the more people that share photos, you know, the people overseas will be sitting there going, "Geez, I really need to get down to Australia. Look at it." Exactly right. There is nothing prettier than our harbour from the deck of a super yacht. Nothing prettier. Yeah. And it's a very accessible venue too. It's easy for people to get to, and as soon as you walk out onto you know that wharf, you've got the beautiful vessels there, the Maseratis, and it's just a wonderful afternoon. It really is, yeah. So I look forward to seeing both of you there. Very excited to be there on Saturday 26th of February to buy your tickets again. Go to superyacht-australia.com, click on the soiree. I will see you there, lovelies. I have some news for my listeners as well in that I shall be on those yachts a little bit earlier than the opening of the event, which David and Christina very kindly arranged for me so that I can do some live Instagrams for our viewers and uh, give some people for some, some insight that cannot be there for whatever reason um, so that you can see the super yachts potentially for your events and holidays as well. So David and Christine, so thank you so much for coming in today. Lovely to see you both. So listeners, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I thoroughly enjoyed recording that with David and Christine. I've got a few things to share with you now to let you know about. Um, First up, uh, David mentioned about literally going down to the dock in Europe and getting yourself a, a job on a super yacht. If you listen to episode 17, where we interview Kaylee, we absolutely talk about that in detail because that's exactly what she did so episode 17 is a great one to listen to and also I wanted to let you know we are going to be at the Super Yacht Soiree this Saturday 26th of February it is an annual event and it's an iconic Super Yacht event it's actually the largest that they do in Australia of this type 
it beautifully showcases Sydney and Australia as a superyacht destination and it gives captains and superyacht owners that come down for it the opportunity to see all that we have to offer down on under and there is quite a lot to offer in this incredible location. The event is designed um, to also attract yourselves as potential super yacht charter customers and it gives our brokers the chance to show off their finest vessels that are part of their realm so you get to meet some of the brokers too that can organize your event or your holiday on those super yachts they have some fantastic sponsors at the event including city index rivergate marina and shipyard city of gold coast melee professional bell property and southport yacht club now southport yacht club have just officially opened their brand new super yacht berth which has been built by one of our favorite superior jetties and uh, that's an amazing new facility that's going to really step up um, the availability of berths in the Gold Coast for super yachts so that's awesome news. If you don't want to miss out on anything that I am doing or any events that are coming up please make sure you sign up for my newsletter on theboatprincess.com. We do in fact have a fabulous event coming up on Saturday 12th of March. The boat we had originally booked became unsuitable for that event so we actually found another one thanks to our beautiful friends um, Belinda and Andy at Boating Syndication Australia. We are going to be there on their flagship Long Reef X90. Yes, that's 90 feet of boat, folks. Um, cruising around Sydney Harbour, enjoying Savannah Wines. Savannah Peterson will be there herself to uh, showcase her wines and we'll get to taste those. Um, and we'll have a professional photographer professional photographer there for you to get your perfect lifestyle shots for Instagram and there are some amazing women already booked in for that event there are only a few tickets left so to get some tickets for that too go to theboatprincess.com and scroll down to see that event on Saturday 12th of March Thank you so much for your ears. It's lovely to have you here again and I will see you on the water soon. Mm -hmm.